I just have to say, it is actually such a joy to be here with you all. Um, and it's a real, um, it's a special thing to be able to look around the room and see so many women that I love um, and to have this opportunity to be able to speak to you all today. Um, I have a few things here that I just wanted to hand out. There's some sticky notes here. So could I maybe grab a couple of people here just to hand these out? And also some pens. Because I want today to be... Now, would you mind bringing up pens? Thank you. Um, I don't want us to go home today and be like, oh yeah, that was a nice talk, or maybe it was a terrible talk, depending on your opinion. Um, I want us to actually have a few moments while I'm talking to be able to just jot down some thoughts. And a sticky note is a good size, because it means that it's not a whole page, it's not overwhelming, and you can go home and you can continue talk, thinking and talking with other people about the things that we have looked at today. So there's going to be a few times during the um, talk where I'm just going to ask it some reflective questions and hopefully there'll be something in that that you can just jot down some thoughts that you can think about later. So as you would have heard in the passage that um, Bron read to us so beautifully, today we're going to be thinking about God's love. Um, it's not a topic that I originally was planning to talk about, um, but here we are. And I just wanted to start with um, a short story, um, something that happened to me recently in my life. So a little while ago, last term actually, I woke up one morning and um, you know how sometimes you're having a bad day or a bad week? I was having a pretty bad term actually. It had been (laughs) a hard term and I was in the middle of um, quite a stressful situation in my personal life and it had started to wear me down. Um, But also, I was really struggling in my relationship with God. I didn't feel close to Him. I was finding it hard to pray and read my Bible. And I woke up this morning and I, um, I said to God, God, you say that you are our comforter and I'm really struggling here and I need you to show me that you can actually comfort me. It's probably not the most, um, I would say, godly prayer I've ever prayed, but I was like, I need you to show up for me. So that was it. That was what I prayed. Um, so I went to work and... I was feeling really unwell and I was like, it's okay, it'll go away. Didn't go away. Ended up, I went to my boss and I said, look, I'm actually feeling really unwell. I think I'm going to have to go home. Um, And she was fine with that, but there was a problem. I carpooled to work that day, so I had no way of getting home. So I said to my boss, look, is it okay if someone just drops me into the train station, which is like five minute drive down the road, and I'll catch the train home and it will all be... And she said no. She said, I'm not letting you catch the train home. I'm going to drive you home. Now, my boss is a super busy lady. She (coughs) always has a mountain of work to do. She never takes her lunch break. And yet she saw me in that moment and she chose to give up an hour of her day to drive me home, drop me off and go back to work. And not only that, during that drive, she took the time to listen to me and to encourage me And she actually comforted me in that moment. So I got back to my house and the day had not gone the way I had wanted it to go at all. But I remembered the prayer that I had prayed to God that morning. And I realized that in the actions of my boss, God had comforted me. He spoke through the kindness of my boss and her love for me. And in her actions, I saw the depth of God's love for me. And I recognised that this was him saying to me, I'm here and I'm listening and I haven't abandoned you. Now, why am I telling you this? 
because we're told over and over that God is love. And yet we have a really hard time believing that, don't we? We question God's love for us. And at the same time, we know that we're supposed to love others, but we have a pretty hard time doing that too. And then while we're questioning whether God loves us and feeling guilty about our seeming inability to love others, doubt starts to creep in. We don't feel much love for God, and so we start to question whether we do actually love God. And this creates more fear because we know that we really should love God. So if we don't feel like we love God, do we love him and do we know him? And before you know it, we can find ourselves caught in this cycle of guilt and fear. And for many of us, our relationship with God swings between believing God loves us when we're feeling good, when we have an emotional experience, when we can see him working in our lives, and believing that he doesn't love us when we're feeling alone or when our lives are difficult and he seems silent. And we get so preoccupied by these questions that it can cripple our relationship with God and with others. And I think at the core of this problem is actually the fact that we don't trust that God really loves us. We don't believe that his love is constant. And so we're caught in this place of uncertainty. We know we should love God and we know we should love others. But we just don't know if God really loves us. So today, as we have a look at this passage from 1 John, I want us to consider three questions. Firstly, how do we know God loves us? Secondly, how do we know that we love others? And thirdly, how do we know that we love God? And I want us to see that when we understand the depth of God's love for us, we are compelled to love others out of our love for God. Now, I'm going to give you a quick background to the um, passage that we just read. The letter of 1 John was written to believers in the early church, and one of the key purposes of this book was to teach these young believers how they could know that they were truly saved, what it would look like for someone to actually have God within them and to be living that out. And one of John's key arguments is that if we say we love God, we will obey what he says. And if we obey him, then we will love others because that is one of his commands. And so at this point, which we just heard, John pauses to elaborate more fully on God's love and how God has loved us. He's trying to teach his readers how they can understand what God's love actually is. So firstly, we are told that love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now this should immediately tell us that John is not speaking here about a general kind of love. He says that everyone who loves God has been born of God, and yet we know that our non-Christian friends and family are capable of loving others. So what we can tell from this is that John is not talking about a general kind of love. He's talking about a love that comes only from God and can only be demonstrated by those who know God. So what does this kind of love look like? Well, from this passage, we can see that firstly, love is who God is. It is not primarily an emotion that he feels or a characteristic that he can turn on and off. He is love. And this is important for us to realise because we're so accustomed to associating the idea of love with an emotion or a feeling. And that is not what we are talking about here. We are talking about a love that is intrinsic to who God is. And what this means for us is that his love will not change. God will never stop being love for all eternity. 
Secondly, we can see that this love costs God. God shows his love for us by an act of sacrifice that costs him the most precious gift that he could give, his only son, Jesus. Think of it like this, because I think sometimes we get immune to the idea that he gave his son. What could God have given us that cost him more than the death of his only son? Jesus gives up his life not to benefit himself, but to benefit us. And this love, we can see, therefore, is costly to the one who loves. This love makes the first move. In verse 10 it says, This is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son. God did not love us because we loved him first. Instead, he loved us before we loved him. He initiates a relationship with us at great cost to himself before we have made any move towards him. Fourthly, this love does not ignore sin, but it forgives it. God is fully aware of our moral failure, of our guilt and our shame, and we know this because he sends Jesus to die for our sins. He recognises that we don't deserve his love. And instead of ignoring or running away from it, he chooses to move towards us and acts 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 not to (laughs) accept our sin or pretend it doesn't exist, but to take the punishment of our wrongdoing on himself so that we can have life through his son. And lastly, God's love removes fear. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Unless God loved us, we would have every reason to fear. But because we know our punishment has been taken by Jesus, and because we know that God is love, we do not need to be afraid anymore. If we know God and still fear his punishment, it is a sign that we have not fully understood his love. So God's love is who he is and does not change. It is costly, it makes the first move, it forgives sin, and it takes away fear. So how do we know God loves us? Well, let me tell you a really bad way to test his love for us. We don't test his love for us through our emotions or how close we feel to him. I want you to know that our emotions are good, God created them, and they help us to relate to each other and him, but they are not perfect anymore. And while they do give us an accurate reflection of how we are experiencing a situation, they don't often give us an accurate reflection of God's truth or of who he is. Let me give you an example of this. I have four nephews. They're adorable. When one of them was about two years old, I took him to the local playground and he found some trucks in the sandpit there. And they were really great trucks. You know, there was a red one, they had big wheels, all that sort of thing. And he was having an awesome time just lining them up along the edge of the sandpit and moving them and lining them up again for like half an hour. And um, it was all going really well until the owner of the trucks rocked up and wanted them back, another toddler. Now, my nephew experienced some pretty strong emotions in this situation. Anger, a sense of injustice, sadness. And those emotions were very real. Lots of tears. He was devastated that someone had come and repossessed his trucks. But his emotions were not an accurate reflection of the truth of that situation. Now, of course, this is just a silly example. And I know that we often experience very deep and real grief and anger and loneliness and confusion. 
And I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel those things, because often those emotions are the appropriate response to the broken world that we live in. What I am saying is that our emotions cannot be used as a measuring stick to tell us whether or not God loves us. Too often as Christians, when we are experiencing suffering or difficulty, we believe that God is punishing us in some way. That is not how God's love for his children works. He is not waiting to punish us because that punishment has already been taken by Jesus. Neither our circumstances nor our emotions will tell us whether God loves us or not. God does not intend for his children to live in constant fear of losing his love or their salvation. God's love for his people is unearned, undeserved and unshakable. Our salvation is dependent on God's love for us. So if we have put our faith in this love shown to us through Jesus, we can be certain that we cannot lose our salvation because we cannot lose his love. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. So a question for us to consider. What fears or lies are keeping us from knowing and relying on God's love? When things are hard, do we think that God is punishing us? When we cannot feel God, do we tell ourselves he has abandoned us? Do we think that we are so bad or so sinful that God could not possibly love us? Or are we afraid to trust God's love in case he lets us down? So what fears or lies are keeping us from knowing and relying on God's love? Now John does not stop at simply helping us to understand God's love so that we can feel really good. No, John shows us that if we know God and his love, we will respond and we will respond with love. In verse 11, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The response of a person who knows God's love is to love others. We are told very clearly that if we live in God, we will love others. If we do not love others, we do not know God. And I think what was interesting for me as I was reading this passage is that these statements are not talking about our love for unbelievers. These statements are talking about our love for other brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, let us love one another. We cannot claim to love God and hate another Christian. So we come to our second question, how do we know that we love others? We know that we love others when our love for others reflects the love that God has for us. A love that makes the first move even towards those who have hurt us. That loves even when it costs us. That does not ignore sin, but forgives it. And that makes it possible for us to have relationships that are based in security and not in fear. If we feel as though we will lose God's love for us if we don't meet a certain standard, that is the way we will treat others. We will look at others and hold them to a certain standard for them to deserve our love. If we believe that God is waiting to punish us whenever we fail him, we will also punish others when they fail us. But when we are secure in the love that God has for us, we are free to love others without the fear and insecurity of constantly wondering whether they deserve our love or whether they love us back. We are free to love our brothers and sisters even when they do not deserve it because we recognise that we do not deserve God's love and yet he has loved us. I think there are probably two dangers for us as we hear this command to love. 
Firstly, there are those of us who, like me, are all too aware that we fail to love others the way that God has called us to. Loving other people is hard. I have both hurt and been hurt by other believers. But we need to remember that there is grace for us. It says in another point in John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is grace. And secondly, we need to remember that none of us on our own love perfectly. But it is as we live together in a community, loving and forgiving, that God's love is made complete in us. We are all reminded and reassured of God's unfailing love for us through the love we give and receive in a community of believers. God's love cannot be illustrated to its full extent in us when we walk in isolation. It is as a community that his love is made complete in us, despite our sin and despite our weakness. The other danger is that I want us to notice that the passage does not say, if you don't love others, God will not love you. The passage does say, if you don't love others, that this is proof that God's love is not in you and you are not saved. If we don't love others, we don't know God. That's a fact. But we do not love others so that God will love us. It is not a way for us to earn his love. We love others because God loves us as an outflow of the love that he gives us through his spirit when we believe. So a question again for you to consider. What limits do you place on your love for others? Do we love only when it is convenient? Do we love those that we get along well with? Are we careful to keep track of what we do for others and have a sense that they owe us something if they don't give back? And is there a person in our lives that we believe we can't or don't have to love because of what they have done? It's not easy to love others, but it is possible in God's strength. And what we will see is that our love for others is not only something we are to do because God has loved us. It is actually how we know that we love God. John tells us that if we want to show our love for God, We show it by our obedience to him. So in chapter 5, start of chapter 5, it says, This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and keeping his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. Our love for God, just like his love for us, is shown through action, our obedience to his commands, and his command is that we love one another. How do we know that we love God? We know we love God when we obey him. When there is no way that we can love someone in our own strength, we choose to obey him and love that person anyway. God will never abandon the person who seeks to obey him. Through his spirit, he can and does change our hearts and give us the ability to actively love, even when it seems impossible, when we choose to obey Loving someone who has wronged you is one of the hardest things that you will ever do. And to love another in this way does not mean that you will not feel anger, grief and pain when they have sinned against you. It means that you feel those things, you see their sin and you choose to act with kindness towards them anyway because you love God. And that is why it is such a powerful and beautiful portrayal of our love for God Because in that moment, you are showing the love of God to that person. When we choose to love those who have sinned against us, 
we become a part of the beautifully redemptive work that God is doing in the world. We become agents of reconciliation. And we start to live in this world like Jesus lived. We start to look like him, who was obedient in every way, even to the point of death on a cross, because he loved his father and because he loved us. So is there a situation in your life right now where you are struggling to obey God's command to love? If this is true, remember that God's love for you is unshakable. And remember that he cares for you and he sees your pain, but he calls us to love anyway. And my prayer for this community is that we will more and more understand God's love for us so that we can show this kind of love to each other. Because it is not a love that we find in the world. It is only a love that is possible when we are following God and when we have experienced his love ourselves. And it is a beautiful thing to see, a community that is transformed by loving and forgiving each other. So God's love for us motivates us to love others out of our love for him. What could this look like in your life? I'm going to tell you some of the ways I've seen it happening in this community. If you've given up your time to cook meals or to help someone move house, if you have welcomed someone who is different instead of avoiding them, if you have spoken hope to a brother or sister who is in pain, if you have refused to punish and instead chosen to forgive, if you have chosen to love instead of hate, then rejoice. You are playing a part in this becoming a community that lives like Jesus in this world. And God's love is being made complete through you and through me as we sacrificially love our brothers and sisters. But it starts with understanding God's love for us. So what I want us to do now is to take probably a couple of minutes to jot down some thoughts that may have come to you while you were listening. And then in your table groups, I'd like for us to pray for one another. If you feel comfortable sharing those points, then share them. And then in a little while, I'll come up and I'll close for us in prayer. So just yeah, spend some time chatting and praying.